Thank you for tuning into the Radicards podcast on Radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and today I have with us uh, Ryan Daly joining us for this uh, this episode. Today we've got some interesting action items to discuss. Let's dig right into it here. First things first, the Radicards podcasts are now available on iTunes. Your link backs uh, directly on Radicards.com. You can also search for us right into iTunes as well. Um, if you're uh, listening to this on Radicards.com, um, you can you can see the the link backs uh, on the right side of the page, and if you're on YouTube, uh, probably link something below in the description so you can go straight to our iTunes podcast listing. And uh, really excited about that move forward. Anyway, um, so yeah, definitely listen to us there or listen to us on YouTube or on the site, radicards.com. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, first things first on the agenda here, digging right into baseball news. Let's talk <laughs> about Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, so Vlad Guerrero Jr., obviously widely considered the top prospect in baseball. Uh, the son of a recently inducted Hall of Famer, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Sr., uh, so he's been promoted from Double A to the Triple A Buffalo system with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and Blue Jays fans and baseball fans alike are getting very excited because obviously Triple A is the next step towards you know your big league debut. Um, Guerrero happens to play third base um, primarily, and Josh Donaldson is the current starting third baseman for the Blue Jays. But if you follow Josh Donaldson at all, you know that he's an amazing player, but he's kind of injury prone. He's currently on the disabled list. Um, so I think what most likely is going to happen is Guerrero is going to get a shot at the majors uh, this year at some point. Uh, when that's going to happen, I can't say. But um, given Donaldson's uh, injury history this year and in past year's I wouldn't be surprised if Guerrero gets a call up, um, you know, mid-August uh, towards the end of the season at some point. So everyone's really excited because um, he's he's an amazing talent. He's supposed to be this incredible offensive power. And uh, obviously he's got amazing pedigree with his father, who was one of the most exciting players to watch during his tenure. Um, so I'm excited to see him. I don't own any of his cards, but I do know that his cards have been extremely popular they're doing really well on the market um so yeah it's just an exciting development in this young guy's career yeah that's nice to hear i'm glad that you know we talked about this previously that a lot of the guys that we grew up with collecting their kids are now becoming professionals and so it's fun mm -hmm. to see the next crop of guys come up and there are a lot of this you know kid generation of the stars that we grew up with and so um, and I'm, I'm learning about new ones like all the time, like, oh my gosh, that's, that's his son, you know, that's, yep. and so it's really cool to see that. I hope he's successful in the AAA atmosphere and is able to, um, shine into capacity that will bring him an invitation to the show. Now talking about Josh Donaldson, he had a spike in popularity a couple of years back and, um, has, his, I would say marquee value has kind of softened. And I don't know if that's due to the fact that he's in Toronto and not like down in a bigger market team uh, or, or what the deal is or the fact that, you know, people collected him for a minute and then they just kind of don't. I don't really know what the, you know, the situation looks like for Donaldson. All I know is there's been a lot of hype around Guerrero Jr. 
And so this is kind of a nice move forward with him. And I look forward to seeing how he performs in the future. It's kind of fun to watch this guy's progression as he trails through the minor league system. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just sort of a classic story of out with the old and with the new, I should say. Not that Donaldson is necessarily old, but, you know, he went to Toronto back when uh, Toronto had a kind of a powerhouse of a team, 2014, 2015 with Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion and all those guys. And they made a playoff run. I mean, they made a couple playoff runs and they were um, close to the world series. Didn't quite get it. And I think Josh Donaldson um, is sort of the last remnant of that playoff team that the blue Jays had. And it's looking like they might sort of start to go around into like a rebuild phase, um, most likely centered around Vlad Guerrero jr. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Donaldson is a free agent at the end of the year, so it makes even more sense to call up Vlad um, and get him some playing time in the majors because um, he's their supposed starting third, starting third baseman going forward. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Donaldson's up for free agency at the end of the year. Well, actually, 2019 okay. starts, so technically yeah, at the end of this year, and then he's, he's, he's ready to be signed in 2019 to, if he can find a pickup yeah, he'll team, find which somebody. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's a – he's – Yes. He's a productive player. He's MVP in 2015, and he had a really incredible year that that year. Uh, 41 home runs, 122 runs, 123 RBI, 297 batting average. I mean, he's solid. And I remember back in 2010 pulling his super fractor and being like, <laughs> who's Josh Donaldson? I actually wrote about it in my, like one of my earliest blog posts ever. And uh, it's really cool to see that he's, you know, where he's come over the years. I remember in 2011 thinking about putting together the, the, the whole run since I already had the super refractor. And I saw the red refractor for like 12 bucks on COMC or something on auto. And I was like, okay, well, eh, I'll just pass on it. And sure enough, he turns into a star. And so <laughs> I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have put uh, that run together. But yeah, whatever. Cool. <laughs> I've got the, I got one of the yeah, best cards. Cool. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm solid, but, uh, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens this following year, who he's going to end up with. As I'm not, I don't know if the, you know, that the Blue Jays are interested in signing him again. Because, you know, he's he's still pretty young, you know, he's but he's 32. Some might argue that that's, you know, teetering on past prime. I, I don't, I can't make these arguments. You know, I, I don't know. But with baseball, I think about, you know, athleticism starting to decline at a certain age because of, the toll right. on the body over time uh, with, with, you know, I mean, pro, pro team sports. Well, so the, the are, classic pretty gnarly. here, I think, so a team maybe looking to sign Josh Donaldson in 2019, um, since he is sort of injury prone, take him off the field, have him DH if he can sign with an American League team, which I think would be great because he's an amazing hitter. That's what he's really known for, I think, is his offensive production. Or... Moving to first base, which is still an extremely difficult position to play, but it's not as high impact and it doesn't require you to be uh, so acrobatic like third base does. Um, so I think there's some flexibility with him. He's obviously an amazing talent. Um, I'd be surprised if the Blue Jays picked him up again, given that Vlad Guerrero is in their system, just ready to hop into third base. Um 
So I, I, he'll find a place, especially given his age. You know, 32 for a baseball player isn't that old. Um, and like you said, he's got MVP under his belt. He's he's got some super productive statistics. Um, so I hope he lands somewhere, you know, on a, on a team that's a contender. So we're we're able to watch him in the playoffs at some point. Uh, it'd be great to see him get a ring. I'm sure you'd like to see him get a ring, given that you are the super fracture owner. <laughs> well, I have the the, the 2010 Bowman Chrome Prospects non-auto super fracture, which yeah, to me I think is the card. more desirable card. <laughs> I just appreciate the cards that you know. Just I appreciate the card by itself without the autograph. I learned later that there was an autograph autographed version. But I didn't like it as much. I just I appreciated the, the the picture that that was used on the Bowman Chrome Prospects card. So wherever he ends up, I'm happy for him. I just want him to be successful in his career. Um, you know, I want him to be a successful successful producer. Um, and so and same with Vlad Jr. I hope that uh, we'll be able to see some of him in the coming year. But yeah, good stuff. I'm glad we got to talk about that. That's that's a nice little update. But um, moving on, we've got uh, Jesus mm-hmm. Aguilar. Uh, this is something you wanted to talk about. Why don't you jump right in there? And Sure. So if you've been following uh, the 2018 baseball season, I'm sure you've heard Jesus Aguilar mentioned at least once or twice. Um, he's currently playing for the Brewers, which um, have sort of been, I don't want to say a Cinderella story because they did make a lot of offseason signings and um, they are they have been aggressive with their talent acquisition. Um, but they still have a small payroll, and they're a small market team, and they're very successful so far this year. And one of the reasons is because of Jesus Aguilar. And this guy, um, I believe he was drafted in 2007, and he just sort of floated around the minors in the Cleveland system for almost 10 years before he was uh, designated for uh, free agency. And... The Brewers picked him up basically for nothing. <laughs> and he's been like one of their most productive offensive players um, on the team. And it's really fun to see guys like that who sort of came out of obscurity and they're on a contending team and they're a starter and they're succeeding. And the other interesting thing about this from a hobby perspective, if you look at his cards on eBay, um, I think he's got two or three different cards from different years that all have the RC logo on them. So he's made like his rookie debut, quote unquote, a few times now. And I think 2018 is like his first legit season. And uh, I'm happy to see him succeed. I don't really know like what card you'd want to get for him. I think there was one in 2014 of him that is desirable. Um, But regardless uh, amazing talent to watch. I think if you're a Brewers fan, you're super stoked on this guy. And if you haven't heard of him or if you haven't been watching the Brewers this season, uh, definitely check him out and check out that team because they're really fun to watch. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at his uh, completed solds right now, and uh, it is strange to see the RC logo on, on a player's card. And, and, yeah, and, and the, the gap years. between those years is kind of <laughs> significant. It's one thing to see... Right, we got 2014, yeah. and then you got 2017. It's, it's one thing it's to see odd. like a one or two year gap, but to see a three or four year gap in the RC logo appearing on both those cards, it's it's a little odd. And the whole RC logo is like a, a 
entirely other topic of discussion, but of course. So he's also found in some 2012 product as well, but there of course go. these are pre pre rookie card stuff. I mean, it, you know, these are these are conversations not everybody's going to agree with because they think like no matter what card it is, as long as it's the first appearance on a major league, you know, a, a licensed card, that's the player's official rookie card. In a lot of ways, that's true. Yeah, a rookie year card—that's a completely other conversation. That's their first appearance playing in professional baseball as a team member on the team that they've signed with, with and they're shown in their, you know, um, their actual major league uniform. Mm-hmm. Anything before that, they're shown in some minor league attire and whatever else. And so, um, you know, the rookie card, the rook, the RC symbol is generally. Um, designated specifically for that rookie year you know when the player comes on the scene that year that's the cards that are produced um, on after his first appearance you know there's a number of games that are required for them to have that the rookie designation and so then you see the rc logo once they've completed that number of games Um, and those would be rookie year cards still significant but not mm-hmm. their first appearance on licensed cardboard, right? Right. So for this gentleman, if you wanted to go for some of his earlier stuff, 2012 Leaf, uh, he's got some interesting pieces there leading up to 2017. Uh, looks like the market's still pretty soft right now um, with a lot of it being under $100 and just just a a small amount of it, you know, up just cusping the, the three-figure mark, but not by much. And so still very affordable under the radar, as you were saying. And so um, maybe the market will catch on down the line if he continues to produce. But this is a nice thing to talk about, you know, guys that are, they're kind of like behind the scenes. They're like producing, but, you know, the, the market hasn't picked up on it. The hobby hasn't picked up on it yet. I mean, I, I'm looking at these comps and I'm thinking, geez, not a lot has sold. Three, I'm looking at right. 334 listings that have sold and a lot of them are like you know offers that have been accepted bins straight out you know auction style listings exist uh looks like there's still there's some there's some market for it but it's you know he doesn't have bowman chrome auto yet or anything like that at least not to my understanding um i think that if 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 he did they they'd probably be sitting up here in the like the top the top sales right so definitely but that that 2012 Leaf Valiant that looks like those Crusades, it's like modeled after the Crusade design. That stuff is pretty interesting, and he's in there. And I remember when that came out, I actually tried to get uh, a full run of one player that never panned out. Travis Witherspoon. He was supposed to be he was signed with the Angels, but he never, never, you know, we never heard much of him. Um, which I ended up actually selling those cards because I kind of lost interest in the run. But I think those cards are really interesting. They're very cool. And they mimic that 98 Donner's Crusade design. Yeah, they're really and cool. So, I have a couple really cool. Archie Bradley from that year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's panned out better than Witherspoon has, but he's not sure. a superstar. So right. they're just sort of sitting in a box somewhere. But yeah, definitely a cool product. Um, and I, I don't really know what accounts for the the slow market with Jesus Aguilar. I think it's just a lack of product out there. And despite the the brewer success it's still a small market team and i think that if you're just sort of casually following the hobby and you're casually following the 2018 baseball season um you might not be aware of this guy but you should be yeah you know going back to the rc logo i'm seeing here he's in the uh 
Well, I just... <laughs> It's kind of interesting. You'll find the RC logo, like you were saying, on a couple of different years of product with him. That's so yeah. strange. It's very strange to me to see that. Cool though. I like that. That's interesting. I I don't. I can't think of another situation in which this exists for another player. There is. You might remember um, Lou Pinella. Yes. So he actually has a '64 Tops card, a '68 Tops card, and a '69 Tops card, all of which feature him as a rookie. He's a rookie. They're rookie cards, but his legitimate rookie card is sixty-four tops. The other two being, they're you know they're rookie cards, but they're not his rookie year cards. As I always thought that was cool. A long time ago, I wrote a blog post about this very topic. Um, Lou Pinello three rookie cards. That this kind of reminds me of Lou Pinello's situation. That you know uh, Jesus Aguilar is featured on various products from different years, all showcasing him. Um, and, and rookie status, rookie card status in some form. So good stuff. I'm glad we got to talk about that too. That was a good one. I think this is a good observation for him. I'm not sure if I'll be picking up much of him or, or not, but this is good information to know. And maybe the listeners might, you know, um, I don't know, look into look into what's available for him. Yeah, definitely. Seems like there's going to be a lot of. It, it seems to me like if he's a producer, we'll see more cards featuring him because, like you were saying, there's really not a lot of options. Some stuff from 2012 Leaf. There's some stuff from 2017 Tops. Um, you know, give or take a couple other things. It's pretty much it, you know. And so, um, very, very soft on market market availability. Right, right. Cool, man. Uh, well, geez, those are some strong baseball updates. Let's uh, switch gears here for a minute. If any of you guys have been following the uh, hot dog eating contest ever. <laughs> uh, 2018 hot dog eating contest happened recently and joey chestnut won it's it's his 11th time winning this contest and um he actually ate 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes surpassing his previous record of 72 hot dogs oh in my 10 god minutes. that's gnarly like like i i, I couldn't see myself ever per- like doing this but i think thinking about how much food needs to be consumed in 10 minutes it's a, it's a lot to think about, you know. That's 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 like it's like an incredible amount of food. Didn't he and, surpass the previous record holder by like two or three fold? Previously or this one? The, this time? Uh, I mean, before he came on the scene, even like. I don't know, man. I think the previous record holder was down like in the twenties or thirties, and he came out and <laughs> was up in like the fifties, sixties, seventies, which. I don't know what he does to prepare for that. I don't think I want to know, but it's very, he eats very hot impressive. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he eats hot dogs all the time. I don't know if you remember that. There was like that Asian guy um, some years back that was real small and he would eat really fast and he was just like slaying the records like on speed. He had the system down to like consume food in such a way that was it was a stack. It was He was able to stack food in his stomach really easily. Well, he ended up like winning almost any food eating competition he he was a part of for years, and then he went on to get arthritis of the jaw and he retired. Oh God! <laughs> because of you know you have overuse and then you got arthritis yeah. is a common common result, a common you know outcome of overuse of any anything, and so he ended up getting that and he he retired. Now, I wonder if when I when I read about Joey Chestnut, I was like, I wonder if he going up against the, the the Asian guy who would win because 
I was watching Asian guy eat back in the day and I was like, man, that guy consumes so fast. I can't even imagine like trying to out, out consume food. Just watching him was really incredible. Just incredible. Really, really fascinating to watch him. Now, Joey Chestnut, 74 hot dogs. I didn't watch this, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to see the human form consume this amount of food in this amount of time. It's incredible. Does he have any trading cards? Is he on tops? <laughs> Is he in tops now? Tops living? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, you have your computer in front of you. Go ahead and look it up. <laughs> I don't think I uh, want that so in that... my search history. <laughs> <laughs> but good, good for him. Good for Joey Chestnut winning the uh, 2018 hot dog eating contest, making his 11th time as the winner. Uh, maybe we'll see him again, surpassing his hot dog challenge again. So I guess, you know, you'd think that like if you if you if you're exceptionally proficient at something that requires a degree of physical um, exertion, that over time your body would become slower at producing a trial and whatever right. that is. But he <laughs> he surpassed already, which means he was faster. If he comes back, he's gonna have to be faster yet again. I mean, there's going to be like a threshold. There's got to be. Eat, he can't eat any more in 10 minutes. Like that is the human max possible to consume in 10 minutes. Eventually he'll reach that 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 place. See, in, in bowling, you can only get the highest number of, of pins, like the top score. You can't go past that. Get strikes every time the whole game, and that's the end. You can't go past that number. That's the threshold. So in hot dogs, he eventually will consume as many as possibly consumable in 10 minutes and then that'll be the end of it. It's kind of like we talked about, like, um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Andre the Giant always winning and people are just like, eh, he wins every time while I go watch it. Like, Joey Chestnut will get to a place where he'll consume at the very peak maximum possible consumption rate and then he'll the market will lose interest because they expect him to get to that rate. I think about this, this is kind of interesting, sort of a side kind of dialogue thing, but Good for him. Glad he won. That's kind of fun. I don't. I didn't watch this. I kind of read and heard about this like after, like a couple of days after, because I don't really follow hot dog eating contests. Oh, you but, don't. <laughs> but I think it's cool. It's like kind of a fun thing for people to go to and watch. I think it's kind of fun. There's another contest of um, hot peppers. People oh, eat like God. they eat like every pepper they eat. The next one is hotter than the one before, and people drop out along the way. And so whoever can get to the like down the line the furthest is the winner oh, now that's a contest i would like to at least consider trying because i love spicy food but uh this kind of reminds me of that so cool stuff speaking of food the albuquerque isotopes release a unique treat on uh, the fourth of july the the green chili cheese donut burger so what it is is a green chili ch cheese burger and instead of buns you've got two donuts <laughs> You know, so you've got like this like spicy slash sweet. So it's it might be make more sense than the um, hot dog served to you in a piece of cotton candy sprinkled in, you know, yeah, what a candy on top of it. So that 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 to me is is a little bit too far out. But the the green chili cheese mm. donut burger makes a little bit more sense. This sounds I'm good. Not the, I would I would try this. <laughs> you would try this. Yeah, so, definitely. I'm not the type to consume this kind of thing, but I absolutely love this kind of innovation in culinary arts. I think it's really rad and super fun. Uh, but I, I generally do not um, go for this kind of thing myself. A little bit too high of a caloric intake. Would you but... split it with me? What if we split it? I think that'd be a good 
medium uh, medium ground here because I'm sure that it's 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 way too much for one person. I think you're right. But if we split it, I mean, come on. Maybe I could split it. I yeah. might split it. All right, we could talk. We could talk. <laughs> we'll make it. There's deal. dialogue there somewhere. <laughs> Good stuff. I think that's cool. I think it's fun to see that that kind of thing. Like just more fun entertainment value for the attendees. And whenever you're adding value to somebody who's paying to go and see, you know, to get some some product from you, whenever you're adding a little bit more value in, I think that's a, that's like really nice. I mean, they don't have to do that, but they do that and it's kind of fun. Of course, they're charging for it. It's not like a freebie. This isn't pro bono work. You know, they're charging for this burger. They're just making it like, hey, while you're here, we've also got this really cool treat. Try it out. Sure. So I think that's, instead of becoming like, you know, um, complacent, just offering the same thing every day to try something new and keep it on the forethought. Like what else can we offer to make this more interesting? Uh, from a business standpoint, it's very smart. And so I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, well it's, uh, to- you know, it's, they charge for it, but you can't really get it anywhere else. So it's right. kind of a unique thing. So, um, so have you been to the stadium? Have you seen this team play? Yes. I've been to the stadium many times. It's a beautiful stadium and it's, it's, it, Albuquerque has great sunsets, and so um, night games, whenever they happen, they we're, we're, we're often blessed with incredible sunsets. Nice. Cool. And so it's really, really cool. But, yeah, the stadium's beautiful, and it reminds me of being young, and I just love being down there when I can. I, I go to a couple of games a year. i do not not a season pass ticket holder or anything like that, but um, gorgeous stadium. If you ever get a chance to go to a game, uh, AAA for the uh, Colorado Rockies now. Oh, we used cool. to be AAA for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but I guess it made more sense from a logistical standpoint to be AAA for a closer team. Sure. So I totally get why we've moved over to be AAA for the uh, Colorado Rockies. There was some talk about becoming AAA for the uh, Florida Marlins or wow. what now now Miami Marlins, but that right. just doesn't make a lot of sense because they're all the way on the East Coast. So, uh, but yeah. Cool. Going back to it, really cool, interesting stuff coming out of uh, the stadium for cool eats if you're hungry. I don't know if that was a one-off or if that's a continuation, so don't hold it against me if you get there and like, oh, yeah, it was only for July 4th. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about the hobby a little bit. There's some interesting developments in the hobby. Um, there's been talk that distributors are starting to favor business from breakers over hobby shops. Mm-hmm. Because breakers go through so much product. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and hobby shops, they might place an order for a couple of boxes here, a couple there. Uh, but because a lot of people are getting their product broken online and they stuff shipped to them, um, it kind of takes away from the hobby shop foot traffic. You know, like, why would I go to a hobby shop when I can just do it all online? Like, that, that's the big thing I hear from hobby shop owners. Like, why don't breakers do it here? I was like, well, why, you know, I, I get it's important to have that, that partnership in some way if you can find a way to, to kind of couple that. But what's in it for the breakers to go to a hobby shop and do that? You know, I get what's in it for the hobby shop is get foot traffic in the door, but what's in it for the breakers? That's, you know, it's got to be kind of like a two, a two partner gig. Right. Um, and so um, I, I don't really have much to say in this capacity other, other than I get why this kind of thing would happen. Um, I don't really, you know, I'm not love, hate. I'm sort of neutral. I don't really, I like carry their way. I just, this is just an observation in the hobby is that, so there's some chatter about distributors favoring uh, breakers over the hobby shops. Now I can't back this up with certainty. Like, like I said, it's just, this is just campfire talk, but it is interesting to hear these kinds of things tossed around. 
Now, if you're a distributor and you have a breaker coming to say, Hey, I want a thousand dollars worth of these boxes. You know, I need this twice a month for the next three months. Um, and then a hobby shop coming to be like, well, I need two boxes of Bowman Chrome and one box of this and then six boxes of tops or whatever. And that's all they get the whole year. Like until, and then when it's sold out, they may or may not, you know, produce. See, as from a business standpoint, if I was a distributor, I wouldn't care what you are as a hobby shop or a, a, a box breaker. I'd be serving my customers. If you got cash and you want to spend it and I've got product you want to buy, you're going to get, I'm going to ship to you. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't favor any one over the other myself as a distributor. If I was a, if I were a distributor, I'd be like, yeah, dude, yeah, I'm I, not going really to, I'm not going to discount uh, that. I'd really be curious to see how valuable the distributors see local hobby shops. I think as collectors, I know you and I find them very valuable. I hope that um, at least my local shops are in business forever, but I do know that it's kind of a fringe market out there. Um, and this idea of box breaking is um, is a really fun way to sort of get people engaged, and it's not localized at all. You can do it online, and you know you can sort of buy a share of a case of a new product for like a pretty nominal fee. Um, so that's, that's cool. And I, I get that. Um, I will say that I was a part of a break probably four or five years ago. It was okay. Like it wasn't that fun. It was all online and uh, I chose one team and I, I would have much preferred to have experienced something like that in person at a local hobby store with local collectors. Um, so it's, I don't know. It's, I I can sort of see both, both ways on this. Um, but I think if hobby shops, maybe if they were to, if they could find some capital to sponsor breaking events at their stores, that would be kind of cool. I know that would, that would get me to my local hobby shop a little more if they had, you know, a, a small fee and you can come be a part of this big case break or this big box break for the new product. Like I would go do that just to be there live and see, you know, maybe if I didn't pull the big card from the team that I bought, maybe the guy standing next to me, he got like the big card and that'd be cool to see in person. Um, I'm, but so do, I'm all about that. Yeah, exactly. So I, but I do see online, like obviously people live all over the world and are into sports cards and you can't have everybody at the same <laughs> hobby shop you know, wherever you are. So I, I understand that it's it's a nice sort of decentralized way of um, getting people focused on one particular case break or one particular box break. And I, I share the same sentiment as you is that, you know, if, if my local shop sponsored a breaking event, um, I think it'd be making a lot of fun to go and, and, and watch and see what gets is pulled. But, you know, I look at it as like, well, the store is getting a bunch of foot traffic from that. Exactly. Right. The breakers, I guess they would get the local markets from that because local market's great, but it can never compete with the online market because the online market is world. Right. Whereas the local market is maybe your zip code. I mean, it's just, I look at it like what's in it for the breakers, maybe new customers, but only for a small market. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about it as like, you know, I've had conversations with some shop owners and they, one guy was complaining about, you know, the, oh, the market's, 
you know, the online is, is, is going to hurt the market in this, this, and that way. I was like, well, of course it's hurt the market. That's why there are a few hobby, hobby shops still around. But it's also given accessibility to a lot of people that didn't have hobby shops in their neighborhood. Or oh, their, definitely. You know, and yeah. so that's, that's, the big, that's the big reason why the online market is, is so successful is because it's convenience. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's accessibility. Um, and if I don't have to drive hours or even days to get to a sports card shop, if there's not one near me, I can just buy my stuff online. Uh, hobby shops are a lot of fun. I myself love going into hobby shops and getting to know the owners and going through the boxes and going through the showcases and talking shop, you know, with them. So I, I really get a lot out of it. I enjoy it a lot. Um, but you know, um, they, they, their inventory won't have generally what I, I need or I'm looking for. Like I'm very advanced and proprietary in the way I collect. And so uh, because of that, I'm, I can walk in and out of a hobby shop without buying anything. Be completely happy with that interaction. But right. I go to hobby shops hopefully to acquire something to add to my collection. And some oftentimes I'm kind of left empty-handed. It's not every time, but it does happen. And so if there was a way to get me there to enjoy some new situation, like, well, I'm meeting some new box breakers. I might meet some other people locally to make friends. You know, if, if there was a way to, like, finesse it into a show... I think that that would be beneficial for a lot of people um, and it would just be fun for the breakers. But going back to my original point, I don't think, and like I said, I can't back any of this up with factual like evidence because this is just like campfire talk, but I would feel hard pressed to believe that any distributor would discount the quality of a consumer interaction in any capacity. Like, Oh, you're not a breaker. I'm not going to sell. I don't, I think that all distributors sell to whoever as long as they have money, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I can't, I heard this somewhere like online and I was like, well, we should talk about that. But I have a hard time believing it's, it's, you know, it's legitimacy because um, it's, you know, in, in any business's best interest to serve any customer who's a willing buyer. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting topic. I remember when I was growing up, um, I sort of grew up like in the heyday of the local hobby shop. There was there was seemingly seemingly one on every corner in the part of the country where I grew up. But mm-hmm. they uh, a couple of the shops I went to, they used to have uh, like pizza nights every Tuesday, and you could come and you'd buy packs, and they would sort of have these arbitrary uh, prizes. Like if you pulled a card with a guy that had a mustache. <laughs> and you would get like some tokens like and you could use those tokens to buy other things and so yeah it's it's just a simple little thing to get your customers engaged and i i, I could see you know if, if the local hobby shops wanted to take ownership of this breaking situation uh you know do something like that just sort of have people in your shop one night maybe after hours and just sort of um you know break a case of the new product and uh I mean, you could do it a million different ways, but um, mm-hmm. I feel like that both the breakers and the hobby shop owners can both sort of benefit from this situation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it how it shakes out. I think it's a good partnership to have breakers and hobby shop owners. I think it should be part of that marketing mix for the breakers. I mean, not the bread and butter, just just be like in addition to what they already do online. Yeah, do, do a breaking event in in a shop locally at you know couple a couple times a year or whatever you know um and i think that that that, those kinds of interactions i think are very healthy 
for the hobby mm-hmm. and for um uh, you know customer relationship management you know like like learning your learning who your customers are and getting to know them more in person from a more impersonal st- person standpoint so I, I think that's a really good thing to have but um yeah that's um, that's a good that's a good talking point certainly a good one good stuff man moving on uh a friend and former now jose canseco super collector tanner jones uh, retires from the hobby so he essentially makes peace with himself and just decides to sell his collection and um i i interviewed him on up on, on an episode of radicards tv you can actually go to radicards.com or youtube and watch this but yeah he and i talked it out for over an hour and we just talked about the hobby and yeah episode 190 and we talked for over an hour and we talked just about collecting and and you know cards that are hard to find and it was just a good solid uh discussion great conversation and I, I, I said to him, you know, no matter what happens, I, I respect your decision to do what you need to do is best for you. Because, you know, like I said, we're, we're kind of all doing this together and on, on earth. Like we're just doing it our own individual, unique way that is best for us. There's no wrong answer. You know, there's just whatever is best for you. Just follow whatever you think you need to do and, and, and go that route mm-hmm. and, and, and try to make the best unbiased moves in your life that that are only for you um and if it means selling your collection or doing something else with your time and money then by all means you should do that yeah and so um i completely respected tanner but he he was actually pretty pretty legendary because he he hit the ground pretty hard for years like three years solid and um was really great at social marketing i was look you know respected him for that and uh, we talked about that on our video together, and um, I just really liked his like um, passion for the hobby. And I, I think you know he's he's still going to be around. He's just not collecting Jose Canseco anymore. And I'm sure the other Jose Canseco collectors like are like you know like phew. Now we can go back to collecting Jose Canseco again because he was pretty. Uh, you know, he was on a pursuit to get oh, you know, yeah. as many as he could, and he was really kind of it was fun to watch um the the stuff he he would acquire and so i actually bought a card from his collection that i'll be probably writing about in a future blog post but uh yeah tanner jones retires from the hobby in the sense that he's not collecting <laughs> yeah, Seiko anymore he's still going to be in, in and around the hobby i just we we we, we will see him doing other things oh, very yeah whenever i thought of player collectors just from guys that i've met in person at shows or um through forums or through social media, you know, Tanner was definitely a heavy hitter mm-hmm. in the hobby yeah. and his, his collection is just incredible. Um, so I actually reached out to him when I found out that he was, uh, you know, quote unquote retiring about one card that I was interested in. Uh, and he emailed me right back and we had a nice, uh, interaction um, the price we couldn't really agree on a price, so uh, maybe in the future I'll buy that card from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, regardless, he is definitely sort of a legend in the hobby, and I, I'm be, I'd be curious to see sort of what the future holds for him. It's it's a huge collection to move, and I'm sure he's got a lot of interest um, from Conseco and non Conseco collectors like me, who are just sort of like, oh, that one card, I kind of like that. Right. So. 
Um, I can't imagine what he's going through right now, um, given his current inventory. Um, but it's, it seems like he's in a good place, and I, I hope he's happy. I know um, you're familiar with my situation, you know, selling off my Nomar Garcia right. Power collection. Right. It's just, right. it's it's not really anything to do with with not liking sports cards. It's just sort of, you know, you focus so much on one player, and mm-hmm. you kind of want to diversify a little bit. And um, so I, I encourage people to read the uh, the exit interview that, that Pat did uh, with, with Tanner. And uh, up on Radicards, it's, it's fun to sort of look into the minds of these guys that have been so dedicated for, for several years. Yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. I like Tanner. He's a, he's a, he's a good, solid, just a nice guy. I really like him. Um, and yeah, you know, to your point, you know, you moving your Nomar collection is no easy feat. And Tanner, again, he's got a lot of work ahead of him, but sounds to me like he's moving a lot of the key pieces out of the gate. He's very busy doing that. So I said, and he agrees that like whatever's left, block it together and sell it as a lot. And he's like, oh, absolutely. Because when I was selling that big Conseco collection back in 2010, there was a lot of stuff that I just blocked together. And I was like, just blow it out. But individual key pieces, I would, you know, try to sell and maximize returns on, on the collection in that way. So I wish him all the best and you hope to see him around uh, regardless of what he's collecting. He has an interest in, in sealed wax, which I think is kind of a fun, a fun collecting pursuit because there's a lot of interesting uh, wax uh, boxes out there and some of them are becoming more rare and so mm-hmm. he's uh he's he's interested in that and so i think that was kind of a cool segue um and and you know i, I just wish him all the best so good stuff uh moving on we've got uh shoei otani's 2018 stadium club chrome super fractor was pulled just one day after the release of 2018 bowman chrome now you might remember that the when finest was released it was it was a day later or, or not even a day that the, the the super fractor auto was pulled and so i think about this i'm like gosh man that's a good sign that the hobbies you know got a strong heartbeat i think about the srp of products after the key pieces are pulled and then i wonder like wow what does that do to market interest like oh that good stuff's already been pulled why would i buy it right yeah it, it, 24 hours after this, it's not even 24 hours, really, because um, nothing happens right in 24 hours, right? We're just looking at a span of time. Like, a day passes or whatever, and we've got the big card being pulled. I think the um, 2018 Stadium Club Chrome Otani is a less interesting card than his other cards because it's it's got the classic, like, uh, headshot pose of him and on like a suit with like the jersey over it that we've seen yeah, on many cards over the years right right big one that comes to mind is the 91 don russ daryl strawberry with him in the same arrangement but with the dodgers uniform um that just comes to mind all the time with that sort of thing or if you want to go further back there was a tops card that features wayne gretzky holding up a king's uniform you might remember that one um yeah but yeah, so I just wanted to touch on that, that, you know, we have two big products, Finest and Stadium Club, both of which yielded the Otani Super Fractors within a day of product launch. I just think that's, like, it's incredible. Like, statistically near impossible. Um, and so I, I think that's a very interesting thing to have. Great card to pull, regardless. I just, you know, no yeah, matter. Yeah, it's, it's a cool card. It's I've always been a fan of Stadium Club, you know, the, the edge-to-edge kind of, yeah photography layout there's not really a border um and i I feel like the the focus on photography 
has always been in the stadium club product. Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed to see that the uh, like the sort of uh, uh, press release kind of photo of him in the suit and jersey. All right. I would have liked to see more of like an action photo of something yeah. I maybe haven't seen before. Um, but, you know, I, it, it moves so quickly with tops. They they just have to sort of put the products out there. I, I get it. So um, Totally. I'm with you, yeah, though. The I like fracture, the... I mean, especially because Stadium Club is a little – it's on the pricier side of the of the tops product range. Mm-hmm. So to have the, the biggest card essentially pulled like instantly is – it's got to – I don't really know what it's done for that product's popularity. Well, but, um, there, are, there are a lot of great cards in the product. I mean, I think it diffuses the buzz slightly, but you've got those like minted gold parallels that are like case hits or something. I mean, they're really, really, really rare, but they're beautiful. So I think the product is still great to to buy. And if you're not, if you don't care about modern prospects, you just want some cool looking cards. Stadium Club's a great way to go. And you know, yeah. like you were saying, like you've got the full like full frame photos and they've always got great photos in a stadium club. I've always liked stadium club in that way. Um, I haven't bought anything modern. I just, I've seen it online. I think it's just a cool product, but yeah, it's a nice thing to talk about though. The Otani being pulled great. It's a good thing. We get to see the thing. I like that. Yes. You know, <laughs> if you want to see a picture of it, just go to radicards.com. Uh, I've actually have a blog post about it. You can see a, an, uh, an image of it there. It's, it's a good, it's a great card to have. No matter any super fractor is great to have, right? They're they're just gorgeous cards. So, anyway, moving on. Um, 1995 Bowman's best Vlad Guerrero is like the card. It's a great card to have. This is you know this is great rookie card of Vlad, and the refractor is like the card to get. You know the refractor is is always desirable. On April 18th of this year. The original photo used on the 1995 Bowman's Best Vlad Guerrero sold for just $850. Now, it was a $1,500 bin OBO, and $850 was the accepted offer. Now, I've kind of taken a little bit of a pulse in the market um, about this, and a lot of people think that was a bargain. I also, too, think that was a bargain. Now, I will say this. I will say this. The pictures themselves, the actual pictures that you, you, you that they used, they are, in fact, the, the exact pictures, but the, like... There's like, you know, the borders are kind of miscut, but you can kind of, you can see these again on radicards.com. I blogged about this. You can go check out the images, really cool stuff. Um, so I don't know if that is, you know, I don't know if like the quality of the actual print cut affected price or if it was 850 still seeming high for a Vlad, anything. But I think in my opinion, I think 850 was a bargain because they're the actual pictures used. Now, we talked previously about the Polaroid that was used um, for the 89 Upper Deck Griffey card. So this is kind of like, you know, is like on the, like in the same sort of theme, right? The, 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 original, yes. the original quality photos used for the card. Really, really cool stuff, I think. And I would have loved to have it. Um, I, really, I really appreciate stuff like this because it's very... It's in alignment with like Americana sort of thing, you know, and I really like that piece of it. Yeah, it's a really cool piece. I, I love the original photograph um, for any sort of iconic sports card. Right. Um, I remember the original film for the 1968 Nolan Ryan was was on eBay for a little while. Um, 
obviously that was asking a huge price. Um, but regardless, it's it's within the same theme, and it's really cool to to th- see this stuff surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the Guerrero, it's it's good timing with him just being inducted in the totally. Hall of Fame. Totally, uh, it's a really iconic image. I think to me, I always think of that '95 Bowman's best card um, when I think of Vlad. So, I hope that the it went to a good home. I hope no one's going to try and flip it or do anything funky with it. I hope it's going to be in a, a nice collection. Um, I, I would love to see more stuff like this surface. Um, although that being said, I don't really search for this stuff on a daily basis, but, right. uh, it is really fun and I'm glad that we're able to talk about it. I'm glad we were able to see it. You yes. know, like it actually surfaced. We got to see this thing. That to me is like once in a lifetime sort of arrangement, right? So I had to mm-hmm. chronicle it on a blog because I just want to keep a record of it. That like, if I want to go back and see this thing, I can. This is the this is a this is the true sense of a one of one, right? This is the photo yeah, used on the 1995 Bowman's Best Vladimir Guerrero rookie card, the front and the back, not just the front, like the front and the back. And I think that's so rad. Granted, the 89 upper deck didn't have a back photo for Griffey because it was a rookie subset card. And so you'll just have the front, which is why they only had one picture. Whereas here, Bowman's Best has the the headshot on the back of the card. And so I really like that. Mm -hmm. I love this kind of thing, too. I'm a big fan of this sort of like these kinds of pieces that, that surface. So I was real pleased to be able to come across this. And I know this is kind of a dated news because it's sold in April, but I just came across this recently doing just my my daily research um so really really cool stuff that that sold just 850 for the two original photos used on the vlad guerrero 1995 bowman's best rookie card good stuff ryan you have any final thoughts hmm you know no final thoughts at the moment although i will say um i'm looking forward to the all-star game and the all-star break and all of the festivities that come with that. And I just for the listeners, I would I think that we're going to have a really good podcast post All-Star game because there's going to be a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Be sure to tune in to the Radicards podcast on radicards.com uh, and listen to us on iTunes. You can check us on YouTube. And I really appreciate you tuning in. Thank you, Ryan, for being uh, a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. Thank you for tuning in to Radicards Podcast and Radicards.com. And until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting. <laughs>